0: Today's episode of the Wretched Hive podcast is sponsored by Timeless Pints Brewing Company. That's right. Timeless Pints is your go-to location for distinctively different beer in Southern California. They offer a huge variety of amazing handcrafted beers in a wide variety of styles, including Belgian, Blonde Ales. The Honey Blonde is delicious. They've got a Red Ale called A Precurious Proposal, which is delicious and I love it, but it's really the dark beers that are my favorites and the, the Bear Reader Huckleberry Oatmeal Stout with its complex roast of malts and barley and a hint of huckleberry. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Of course, they're very popular IPA called The Expeditious Guest, and for an IPA with fewer IBUs, go with A Taste of Fate, which is a red IPA, and it's just so well-balanced. Lately, I've been enjoying the Rocktoberfest. There's so many varieties to choose from over at Timeless Pints. It's great beer made with master craftsmanship. And the service at Timeless Pints is amazing. The people are wonderful there. The beer is great, but it's really the people that are the reason that I call Timeless Pints my cheers. And it's right here in Southern California in Lakewood adjacent to the Long Beach Airport on Industry Avenue. Go have a pint. And for the latest beer releases, information about food trucks and events like Monday Trivia or Wednesday Vinyl Night, you can follow Timeless Pints on Twitter, at Timeless Pints, or visit them on the web at TimelessPints.com and tell them The Wretched Hive sent you. Welcome to The Wretched Hive Podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. What are you talking about? We'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks.
1: That's good news. I like the sound of that.
0: Merry Christmas! And happy holidays! <laughs> Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas! (laughs) It's a special Christmas edition of the Wretched Hive podcast! My name is Steve Baldwin, and joining me tonight, Mr. Dave Potter. Uh, Who wouldn't want to spend Christmas with the two of us? Seriously. (laughs) Pretty much everybody. But uh, not (laughs) Star Wars fans. Star Wars fans, we know you want to hear from us, because we are going to be talking about our experience in watching The Rise of Skywalker, episode 9, we've been sitting with this movie for several days now. I've seen it twice. Dave has only seen it once so far. But we're going to share our experiences with you uh, and, and our thoughts as we've been sort of letting our feelings and thoughts percolate over the last few days since we saw the movie together, Dave, um, almost a week Thanks. ago.
1: And really, for all the female listeners in the audience, when was the last time you heard two men say, "We've been letting our thoughts and feelings percolate for the last five days before we could talk about them"? <laughs> so,
0: before we get started, Dave, uh, we're going to be talking about <laughs> we're going to be talking about uh, the rise of Skywalker. So, I got to throw this up just as a warning: major spoilers coming. Here we go. All right, people, don't say you weren't warned. You have been warned. Major spoilers coming now. Yes, yes. For starters, a lot more nudity than I expected. (laughs) I'm not going to lie about that. All right, Dave, let's get into this. We saw The Rise of Skywalker together um, about, uh, well, it's been about five days ago. We saw it with the Wretched Wives. Um, We did a quick, uh, before... uh, and after uh, we did a prediction show and then a, a reaction show, we kind of combined those into one little mini episode that we released last week. Um, we've sat with the movie. Have you seen the movie uh, again since the first time we saw it together? No, I have not had the
1: opportunity. Okay. I want to go see it at uh, a very specific type of theater. I want to go with someplace that has some larger, more luxurious seating yeah. available than the theater that we we wound up with, which in all deference to the theater, not our first choice.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, now they've got the seats where, you know, you can kick back. It's like a leather lazy boy recliner. Our, ours was sort of a standard, sort of a regular old theater. we got to get the it. It fancy was like watching
1: season. a, yeah, it was like watching a two and a half hour movie in an airplane. <laughs> it, re- it really was. And boy. I love, and I <clears throat> love movies. I love movies. Yeah. I love movie theaters, but for fuck's sake, that was a little much.
0: All right, all right. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry it was so tight for you, my friend. I had the opportunity to watch it a second time, and I, 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 I understand myself now, having been through this several times. There's, there's been this pattern that I've experienced where the first time I see a new Star Wars movie, I'm very nervous. I can't relax. I'm tense. I'm trying to focus on everything at once the first viewing is not enjoyable. And although I liked it well enough. Okay. I couldn't relax that first night. Um, The second viewing was it's like prom night all over again. (laughs) The second, the second viewing was much more enjoyable. I really was able to just relax and let the movie happen. I wasn't so focused and, and worried about catching all the plot points. Um, so I'm, I am happy to report that I actually enjoyed the movie the second time much more than the first time. So I hope you have the same experience or similar well, experience, uh, than I did as
1: I did. There, there are a lot, a lot of plot points in this thing yes. that, that I, I think I said afterwards, I don't remember if I said it uh, being when we were recording or not, but uh, watching the rise of Skywalker felt like getting hit in the head in a good way. But there was just a lot, a lot in there. And uh, driving back with Christine, we had more of a chance to try and digest it. And I really appreciated that she helped me flesh out out how I was feeling about the movie. Because I realized in talking with her that The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, I had an instant reaction of love. How much I loved those movies leaving the theater. And I did not have that reaction with The Rise of Skywalker. I have a reaction of like – Mm -hmm. I don't dislike it. I don't hate it at all, but I don't have the reaction of instant, instant love and wanting to protect it and defend it. Mm -hmm. I do need to see it a second time because I need to figure out how much of that is the movie and how much of that was me. And the fact that I was not really comfortable or relaxed watching it in the theater Mm. And that I was just, I was tired as a dog watching it too. Like I'm, I'm amazed I didn't fall asleep at some point in it. Cause it is just information being just mainlined into you the whole time. And whether you like that movie or don't like that movie, I don't think you can argue with that description of it. You, there is no bathroom break in this thing. You will miss something important.
0: No, totally agree. It is wall to wall information and action. It's very intense. It's almost like two movies in one. It's very, very dense um, Dave, I want to go through some sort of basic p- plot points with you or or some things that jumped out at me and just get your reaction if that's okay. Um, sure. What did you feel about... Did you have any reaction to the
1: opening crawl? The opening crawl did a lot and did nothing at the same time. Mm-hmm. It 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 kind of set up this weird dynamic that was going on and that whole opening short sentence line, the dead speak and mm-hmm. there's, you know... Then it talks about this, this transmission from Emperor Palpatine. That's actually something that happened in Fortnite. Yeah. Oh, for fuck's sake.
0: You're coming across okay with me. Are you still breaking up on your side or fr- freezing? I'm...
1: My computer's going weird. Yeah, you're Can fine. Can you hear me? Yeah. So, it made an allusion to something that happened in Fortnite, and then you're dropped right into a battle that I find out later is taking place on Mustafar. Yeah. And. If you read a lot of ancillary materials, you can find out a lot more about what's going on, that that battle was actually taking place on Mustafar on the ruins of Darth Vader's castle, you know, grandfather's you know, ancestral Sith place. And there would have been a lot more resonance if we'd been able to get that in the movie. And I understand why it's not there, because there is so much going on. But by the same token, I am concerned that Star Wars, the movies are relying so much on us as fans having to follow along with ancillary materials to really get the, the full depth and meaning like they should enhance the experience not be critical or formative to the experience
0: yeah and i'm sure scott ivansky is going to agree with you on that he's he's really talked about his displeasure with having to read the books and the comics to get the full story from the beginning my comment about the, the opening crawl is similar to yours. You know, we knew that Palpatine was going to be in this movie. Right off the bat, the second line of of the crawl, we're talking about Palpatine and this broadcast. That I think it's so funny that the only place you can find the mysterious broadcast is in Fortnite. It's just insane to me that we as Star Wars fans have to go search that out or find it on YouTube. It's It's an interesting... Um, time we're in when there's so much media available that Disney feels that they have to do that or wants to do that in order to spread the wealth across all these different properties or different mechanisms of getting us information. It's it's a little bit um, – it's hard to follow. It really is hard to follow.
1: Yeah, it is. And it's, uh, it's an important distinction and difference between what's happened with Star Wars under the Disney brand and what happened with Marvel under the Disney brand. And there's a, I know I'm getting way afield here, so I'll keep it short, but the Marvel stuff, there is a ton of ancillary work and there's a ton of, you know, supporting stuff that it's all based on. But by the same token, every story is contained and unique. And you can be a first time fan going to see, you know, Ant-Man and the Wasp and everything you need is going to be in there. If you're a longtime fan, you read all this other stuff, there's a lot of other things in the movie for you. Just like with Rocky and Bullwinkle, there's a whole other level to what's going on if you're a grown-up versus a kid. But it's not essential to really appreciate and enjoy the movie or aspects of the movie.
0: So I'm moving along in the plot, and I'm not going to go plot point by plot point here, but I'm, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. We,
1: we, would be here, we would be here for five hours because that is how dense this movie is. Uh, yeah,
0: <laughs> J- just, just some, just some high-level <laughs> things here. I want to talk about the idea of Poe flying the Falcon and light speed skipping. Did 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 that stick with you at all? Because here, he, I'll I'll just share with with what I walked away with that. Um, Han Solo who flew into an into an asteroid field, um, you, you know, screaming, "Never tell me the odds." It, it felt like that was so much more risky than light speed skipping and yet Poe is getting yelled at for for pulling this maneuver, which, by the way, didn't feel that risky because TIE fighters are doing it too. It feels like they're just sort of like they're manufacturing drama. I think the drama, challenge with the
1: concept of light speed skipping, what I what I got from it was it it's a way to try and shake the tracking that we know the Empire has as of The Last Jedi, the ability to track something through hyperspace. So you just yeah. make a couple of just random sequential jumps in the hope that 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 stretches the the tracking lock out to the point where it breaks other uh, but since you're making the light speed jumps that quick and fast i'm guessing that uh, the computer doesn't complete all of the necessary calculations so it's not entirely safe you'll just go kind of in that direction and zoom in too close to the star of the supernova and unless you're a really good pilot it will end your quick trip real quick boy yeah i guess so but then how do the tie fighters do
0: it too I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. How can a how can a lame TIE fighter pilot lightspeed skip along with Poe and the Falcon? I don't know. For some reason that jumped out at me. It, weird. Look,
1: if that's the plot hole you're worrying about in this movie, in really any Star Wars movie, I mean let's just be real here. Plot yeah. holes are a part of Star Wars. Yeah. You all got have it. to accept and love that. There are Star I Wars have, physics. I have a giant picture of, of of Leia sticking her tongue in Luke's mouth in Empire Strikes Back <laughs> as a plot hole. <laughs> just to remind us all. All right, fine. I mean, and, and you know, there's space, There's
0: gravity in space. There's fire in space. I get it. It's the Star Wars universe. For some reason, that just jumped out at me and I wanted to ask you about it. I'm not really sure why. I don't know. just jumped out at me as being weird. Um, Along those same, sli- uh, same lines, why in just a few years prior, in Starkiller Base, they need to harness the power of a sun to blow up a planet, but in this movie... Every capital ship has has the ability to blow up a planet. Ha- I, I don't get it. it. Did the technology advance that quickly so that th- they have planet-killing weapons on every Star Destroyer now, Dave?
1: I, I know. That bothered me, too, just because we've established that the planet-killer device needs a lot of kyber crystals, and there's really like a very finite supply or source for kyber crystals, so yes. I'm not sure how that how that all fits together. But again, like I said... Plot holes are part of Star Wars. Yes. So don't again, if that's what we're worried about, don't don't sweat it. There are some right. bigger ones that, that kind of stayed with me a little bit.
0: Alright, let's talk about some of the bigger ones then. Ray's a Palpatine, turns out. Ray is a Palpatine. Hashtag Nico was right. Um Nico was right. So Palpatine was the grandfather. Palpatine's
1: son is the father of Ray. Correct? Yes, but let's back up for a second here. No, like right. One point I want to make. Okay. I can't decide what's more disgusting. The idea yeah. that Jabba the Hutt had sex with somebody, or the idea <laughs> that Emperor Palpatine had sex with somebody. Yeah, who's that baby mama? Who who hooked I don't up know. who hooked up with Palps with
0: Sheeve? I don't know. So Sheev is the grandfather. Sheev created Anakin from the Force. Kylo and Ray are Mackin <laughs> at the end. Are, are they kissing cousins, Dave?
1: I, it, it, as far as the Force is concerned, I'm I'm sure they are. The Force was manipulating this whole thing to, to come to fruition, right? If you believe in, in that, if you interpret it that way. I mean, right. they've talked about light rising to meet darkness and darkness rising to mean light. That's why the, bat, the war, the Star War, if you will, will never truly be over. And now that the Sith have been vanquished once and for all, at some point, darkness will rise to balance... The light that's represented by Ray. All right. And we'll have episode 10, 11, and 12 that way. The last big
0: point I want to make, and then I'm happy to hear anything that that you would like to to raise uh, for this little mini episode here. Um, You know, forgiveness is a big part of of the Star Wars universe, i got to say, because uh, not only can you try to kill a woman for several movies, you can try to kill her. You should try to go after her and kill her. You're trying to murder her the entire time. You can kill freaking Han Solo, lightsaber through his chest, and still end up with the girl at the end. You're forgiven. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. You realize you made a mistake. It's good. Let's make out. I, I don't understand how how we are so quick to forgive in the Star Wars universe. I don't get it.
1: Well, uh, we forgave Anakin for like basically slaughtering like a billion children.
0: Well, that's a huge problem it's a huge plot. So hole.
1: just just I'm just saying just like one you know one one teen cel incidence of patricide I think is is pales by comparison to Anakin's crimes against humanity.
0: But this is killing Han Solo just like a year ago and then she forgets about it. She's just like okay, yeah, you came back, you're Ben again.
1: These things it's all about this redemption. Like yes. that is how you that is how you win the battles if you're you're able to forgive and redeem and that it's a good message and it actually does tie in although i actually liked how explicit it was with uh ryan johnson's the last jedi at the end where rose says we we can't destroy the things we hate we save the things we love and ray really did both there she killed kylo ren she destroyed the things she hated but she saved the things she loved ben solo
0: speaking of which when she killed the emperor which is what the Emperor wanted her to do, Mm -hmm. shouldn't she have assumed the power of the Sith in that moment? Or was it that she killed him and it wasn't out of hate?
1: I think there's a a loophole, and this is pure speculation on my part. Okay. But I think there's a loophole there in that she didn't strike the Emperor down, Mm. as has happened with past Sith Lord duels. That makes sense. She redirected the Emperor's energy back onto him. Although, by the same token, striking a Sith Lord down doesn't necessarily mean that you become a Sith. I mean, Ben Kenobi, you know, carved, <laughs> carved Darth Maul into, into two. Yeah. And he went on to train the Chosen One, Arrgh, Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. Wait, can we agree that none of the Skywalkers were the Chosen One? Can we agree on that right now? The person who has brought balance to the Force is actually Rey Palpatine.
0: Yeah, chosen to to create mayhem across the universe, maybe, but not chosen to bring balance to the force. Although maybe is a conduit to balance, to bringing balance, but uh, not the chosen one. I I would agree
1: with that. Yeah. That's interesting. That's the a good chosen take. one at the end of the Star Wars saga is a girl. Yeah, I love in my it. opinion, I love it. Not not the not the farm boy from uh, from
0: Tatooine. Now, I don't mean to be so negative about the movie because there's a lot that I I really do love about the movie. Um, the first 20, 30 minutes when it's, you know, the, our heroes banding together, they're fighting like brothers and sisters, they're going to all come together on the Falcon and go on an adventure together. To me, that is what Star Wars is about, and I, I had such great feelings about that part of the movie. The first third
1: of the movie, I I loved. I, I thought it was really well done. There's so much to like and appreciate about this movie, but I'm still not sure how to classify it yeah. I mean I the, the shorthand that I've used for a while is that The Force Awakens is fan service and mm. it's done extraordinarily well and I love it The Last Jedi is the complete opposite it's fan subversion mm. and it's done very well and that's why I love it I don't know how to classify The Rise of Skywalker just yet mm. I'm still I'm still figuring that out I will say the probable absolute best it could get on my list is number five okay Top four being,
0: episode four, Top episode four being, five.
1: Yep, Empire at number yep. one. Okay, A New Hope at number two. Yep, uh, Force Awakens at number three, and Last Jedi at number four. Okay,
0: so you rank Last Jedi above this movie, hands down, with no no
1: question. I, I do for okay. for all the flaws that, and I saw some a review a reviewer that said this, and I'm like it, it's it's perfect. I'm just going to plagiarize it, and I forget who said it, but mm. it's a Last Jedi is a brilliant but flawed movie. There are some there are some significant flaws in that movie, but when it's brilliant, it is so brilliant and perfect. It it shines through those flaws, at least to me.
0: Okay, I I can I can get behind allowing you to have that opinion.
1: You know you. You're not going to argue with me about it, and you're not, and you're not just taking that position to be polite. That's what I'm hearing. We have done this. We've done that We've been down that road I, already. <laughs> we have on a, on a text yeah. message just last week. Where for the record, <laughs> you talked about how much you hated the movie, and then I started arguing about all the good things, and you're like, "Okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right." Well,
0: look, I can, ha- you know, there can be parts of the movie that I love and parts of the movie that I am frustrated yes. with, and the same thing with the Rise of Skywalker. By the way, I was thinking about this in between. I really think the titles should go, uh, "The Force Awakens," mm-hmm. Episode Eight, "The Rise of Skywalker," Episode Nine, "The Last Jedi." I think that makes more sense in terms of where we end up. With, Probably, it, it made me. I'll more, have to
1: stew on that. I've yeah. only seen Episode Nine once, so I am yeah. being, I am being a little cautious in where my evaluations land for this. But I will say, I. I I think you have to grade it to a certain extent on a curve. I think J.J. Abrams was given a virtually impossible task to do, mm-hmm. and for all the rumors that fly, that are flying now about how Kathleen Kennedy is going to be let go as the head of Lucasfilm, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's deserved, and I don't know if that's tr- if if they're true or not. But if they are true, in my opinion, the overriding reason for it will be a contrast between what Marvel has done under Fegi. And what Star Wars has done under Kennedy and under Feige, he's done this incredibly complex, you know, 23 movie sequence that all kind of builds upon each other. And there's a clear narrative structure and arc. Yeah. And while all those filmmakers are allowed to have their own individual voices, there were things that clearly it's like, no, this is, in, this is out of bounds. You can't do that. Or, hey, I do need you to accomplish this thing in the movie. I'm not going to tell you how to do it, but you need to accomplish this thing in your movie. Mm-hmm. So that there's a cohesive narrative structure and that has clearly been lacking in Star Wars this time around. I was saying on the front end like, oh my God, this will be great. They have a chance to like outline the whole thing and let people, you know, keep it together and it's so clear that there was not the level of cohesive, you know, editorial, if you will, oversight to keep, to keep everything from, from jarring from one episode to the next and that. That probably also has something to do with my reaction to rise of Skywalker. yeah. I mean, does that I, did that, make, that makes that make sense? That's the first time I've tried to really articulate that that feeling?
0: Yeah, no, I think that does make a lot of sense. and And uh, the idea that there's a singular vision that is sort of leading the, you know, at the top of the ladder, pointing the direction, pointing the ship as to where it should be heading. And then letting the, the yeah. workers you know down there beneath doing the work. You know, you've got to have a singular vision. I think that, you know, every great movie has a director at the helm. There's there's never three or four directors at the helm of a great movie. There's always one. And I think the same thing goes for um,
1: solo definitely proved that.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. And I think Star Wars in a well meaning way at the beginning, wanting to bring in, you know, Lord and Miller and Ryan Johnson. And um, all these young, exciting directors um, didn't have that guy, that whom I've argued on the show should be Dave Filoni, directing the ship and sending it in the path where it should be going, and making sure that if it starts to veer off a little bit, mm, course correcting and getting back on on the on the right path. And that's what Fagé does for the MCU, and that's what Star Wars needs. So I'm with you.
1: Well, you. Y- 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 you know who it might be, and I'm just going to throw this out here because I don't know that Filoni has the has the chops or experience to do motion picture. But if John Favreau is looking for a job,
0: yeah, that's a good choice.
1: I'm just saying he's the guy who he built the foundation for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, if Iron Man flops, we're not having a lot of conversations that we've had on this show over the years, right? And he clearly understands Star Wars uh, as evidenced by the work he did on The Mandalorian. I mean, a different medium and a different type of storytelling. Yeah. But fantastic. And by the way, speaking of different medium and different storytelling, uh, if you haven't seen The Watchmen, go see The Watchmen because that is just the most fantastically conceived and written TV show I think I've seen in the last five to ten years and everybody is telling me if you like watchmen you have to watch westworld i have not seen westworld if it's anything like watchmen i am so looking forward to seeing westworld
0: you guys keep talking about this and we're going to have to have a whole show about about the watchmen because i i have not watched it yet i hope to over the christmas break that i'm going to get some days off to plug into that because uh, you kept you you guys keep raving about it
1: we'll yeah the that. writing on this thing is so freaking phenomenal i am just i i am absolutely in awe of what they accomplished over nine a little over nine to ten hours worth of television all right
0: um well let me just double back on one thing and that's with feloni remember feloni yeah. is the chosen one he's he's the guy that lucas handpicked to educate about the force and to carry the torch moving forward with clone wars he's done a great job with his um directorial work on Um, the mandalorian so i wouldn't count him out so quickly but no favreau is a great choice as well and he had a cameo
1: on one of the last mandalorian episodes did you know (laughs) that
0: he was an x-wing pilot
1: yeah Yeah, all all of them were were producers or writers on mandalorian and clone wars which i thought was a fantastic little bit of uh insider touch
0: yeah that was really cool well dave i'm glad we got to touch base we're going to try and record later this week with the rest of the guys but uh, just wanted to touch base with you tonight uh, about your feelings on the rise of Skywalker and I'm glad we had, a, we had a moment to do that
1: so thanks for coming on hey I am too but we, we almost for- we've forgotten the most important thing really to all of our all of the listeners of the Wretched Hive everywhere Merry Merry Christmas to you and yours
0: Merry Christmas and have a wonderful holiday season everybody we'll talk to you soon
1: yeah, so it also explains the Sith Troopers in detail and mm-hmm. says that they're organized in squadrons, and each squadron is named after a previous Sith Lord.
0: Okay. Oh, so that's only cool. the squadrons
1: understand the significance of it, but it starts listing them, and one of them is uh Revan <clears throat> Squadron. Ooh. And that's, Darth hmm. Revan is a character from Ni- the Knights of the Old Republic game. <laughs> is one of them called the
0: Plagius Squadron by chance?
1: Not that I not that I, I read about mm-hmm. as being listed, but there's Craig's like gonna this. Be pissed group online that's like oh my god knights of the old republic like that storyline is now considered canon and i'm like because it's uh, in a fucking reference book about a thing in a movie that we never even saw i mean come on
0: yeah i know i know it well i mean you know when when the print on the side of a lego box is helping define canon i mean that's you know that's taking it to the next level, and that's what Star Wars does, and that's what Star Wars fans do, and I get it. But but healing people, healing powers to heal wounds on camera, that's that that's a little bit different than naming things. I mean, this is like a huge. That's a huge it, shift in the canon to
1: me. It it makes sense though. I mean, I it, it makes sense if the force is this thing that yeah. binds all living things and is like a life force that flows between us. It makes sense that you should be able to heal with it.
0: Well, it makes sense that Superman would be a really good archer because he can see really far and he's really strong. But you wouldn't expect Superman all of a sudden to grab a bow and arrow off of his back and pull back and shoot an arrow at someone. Superman just doesn't do that. So why should Jedi all of a sudden be able to heal wounds? It
1: just, it just To me, it just doesn't fit. All right. I hear what you're saying. I'm going to let Greg or Scott, because they're bigger DC guys than I am, <laughs> talk to you about the Superman analogy at a later time. Fucking Scott's you know. going to
0: find a picture of a Superman with a bow and arrow now. I was, I'm I was sure. just going to say,
1: I'm going to let them, I'm going to yield to them on how valid or invalid that analogy is. All right. Is that fair? That's fair. I'm going to defer
0: to them. Although, one last thing here, and I know we got to go. <laughs> I know we got to go. <laughs> Lucas also said time and time again: Jedi are not superheroes, he wanted them yes. to be fallible. But in this, it, now the modern, the modern myth with with Jedi, it feels like they're unstoppable. It feels like you can't kill Rey. I don't feel like she's threatened at all, at
1: all. She, it, I, and she may not be. She may be the the, you know. She's the Jedi Palpatine equivalent, and Palpatine is mm. if Palpatine is not the most powerful Sith Lord that has ever lived, I don't want to meet the more powerful Sith Lord. I I, I truly don't.
0: Yeah, she's got but that Palpatine that's a, blood, that's, that's a,
1: true. By the way, that's a giant fucking plot hole that they didn't explain. How did he survive Return of the Jedi? I mean, yeah. I can think of ways, I can I can probably think of a dozen ways that he did, but couldn't give us something there, guys? Come yeah, on. sure. There's
0: probably some book we're going to have to read. I don't know. Who knows? Who cares? To yeah. quote Harrison. Oh, and
1: I don't know if I shared the article or not, but Lando's comment at the end to Jahara or whatever oh, her name yeah, is. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. That is because they cut a bit from the script. I don't know if they shot any of these scenes or not, but... Uh, Lando actually had, Lando actually had a daughter who disappeared and he didn't know what, doesn't know what happened to her. Okay. So, and that's where the let's find out thing comes from.
0: So it, so my thinking on that was that they're setting it up for some other movie or a TV show or because they, you you can't just throw a line out there and like, and not explain it at all. It just felt really weird. It felt like they did
1: it. They did it all the fucking time in that movie. Are you kidding me? Yeah, Ray, that's Ray, there's true. something I need to tell you, it's really important.
0: <laughs> the end. We're well, never seeing these characters again. And now JJ's been making the round saying that, oh, it's because she he wanted to tell her that he's force sensitive. And so we need that you know I, I'm I'm gonna I'm starting to feel Scott on all this. You know, we shouldn't have to have the J the the director the JJ, the director go back and explain things. We really shouldn't. We shouldn't have to go read a book to figure out
1: what's happening in the movie. Ah, man, I don't know. As dense as that movie was, I think they could have added another 10 or 15 minutes and made it actually a more satisfying experience because they could have explained yeah. all of these things.
0: Okay, one one last thing and then I'm going to let you go. Okay. The other issue that I'm having is there's there are Star Wars apologists all over the internet. Shocking. and I, I have been one. I I, and I, we've all been there. We've all served that purpose at times, but um, there are a lot of them out there, and the 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 overarching like sort of comment I'm hearing from them is just sit back and relax and don't overanalyze it and pretend like you're eight and just take it in. And it's like, when was the last time? an adult Star Wars fan actually ever did that. I mean, we're we are we're the ones that are reading the pr- fine print on the Lego box to find out the name of the characters. I mean, really, that's what the filmmakers want us to do? Like, forget about all log- logic and just take it all in and pretend like we're eight? I understand it's a movie for kids. And I, I, it's, I'm
1: more offended at the fact that there are people on the internet who are just like, oh, no, sit back, relax, enjoy it. It'll be fine. It's like, <laughs> who the f- who the fuck do you think you're talking to here? Exactly. I mean fandom has been crazed since Star Trek went off the air fifty plus years ago.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't I don't appreciate people telling me to just calm down and sit back and watch it. Because that's not what we do. That's there's there's two hundred fucking Star Wars podcasts. And none of them are just sitting back and watching it. Okay. I mean, yeah. I don't know. It just feels yeah, a little and, bit. I don't know.
1: And, and it needs to be okay to say, hey, as much as I enjoyed it, I have these problems with it. Yeah. And I think the problems that we're talking about they're they're legitimate problems i'm not saying they they destroy it and make it an in, invalid as a movie yeah. they're, but they're legitimate problems that's always been my big issue with scott and his reaction to the last Jedi. it's like okay you're naming some legitimate problems with the movie but for fuck's sake it doesn't mean that it's the worst thing ever done in star wars
0: right <laughs> right and it doesn't mean that ryan johnson's a bad director
1: either which bugs me no no I, he was i i There are so many things that are so brilliant in that movie, even the moments of fan service, like just rewatching it with Christine. That moment on the Falcon when Luke says there's nothing that could get me to go back and R2 boots up the Mm -hmm. recording of Leia from A New Hope like that, that gets me every, every time. And it always will.
0: Every time. Yeah. Yeah.